Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right. All right. Middle of May. This is an awesome month and uh, an awesome week. Yes. Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio, and uh, we're glad you can join us uh, if you have time. Uh, hit the like, uh, subscribe. Uh, we'd all appreciate that. And also, if you have a friend that needs to hear some of these things, uh, send them a quick text and, and a link uh, where you're hearing us from. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, we can. Uh, all of our shows can be seen on wakethebearradio.com. That's uh, Wake the Bear Radio. And uh, we have all of our shows. I think this is show number 87 tonight. So we've been doing this for many, many weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we like to say, you know, that the bear is California and uh, California is waking up. Uh, patriots are becoming Christians and uh, Christians are actually, you know, becoming patriots. We're seeing a, a growing movement and um, it, people like to libel it. But it really is just people who love God, who love their country who want to see righteousness exalted and want to see wickedness dealt with, who recognize, I think that one of the important things is we recognize that Americans aren't exceptional because of the blood that runs through our veins, but we're exceptional because we acknowledge the blood of Christ who covers us and our sins and, and we want to walk and follow him. So uh, we are we are excited to talk about this week and some of the major, major things that are going on. This really has been a, a historic week of winning um, I, you know, there's just been a lot of really good, you know, sometimes we come on here and there's a lot of bad news and, and, and granted there is, there is concerning news out there, but we know who wins. And right now we have just seen a historic week of winning. Um, and I just, we're happy to be here to share some of that with you on mother's day week, right? Mother's last Sunday was mother's day as well. Uh, yeah. Chris, you're a mother. I'm not, I, I honored my mother and my wife and, and, uh, painted my, my, my mother a painting and send it to her. So doing doing some cool stuff um, to honor moms, not, not birthing persons, by the way, moms. That's right. Moms, women. Yeah. We'll never be parent number one. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I am celebrating uh, mother's day with family out of uh, my normal area. I'm down by the border in Arizona in Pima County. Wow. Wow. To see what is, the, what is the scuttlebutt going on at the border? And is, it, is there any evidence that uh, people on this side of the border can actually see? Wow. And there, you can feel the movement. You can feel uh, that there's a lot of disruption. Uh, but in Arizona, I think they have pretty much embraced the problem as much as you can embrace the problem. But I wanted to tell a story because I was um, standing in line at a, a nearby deli getting lunch with my little seven-year-old grandson. And in front of us was a very rough, very muscular looking guy. Um, and of course, going through my mind was, I wonder if he's here legally or not. And you know, it, I realized yeah, that probably wasn't the most um, gracious thing to be thinking but I uh, so I was being a little protective of my grandson and and uh, he just uh, he said excuse me sir excuse me sir and the guy turns around and looks down at this little little head and he goes I just want you to know I really like your tattoos (laughs) (laughs) oh man he goes oh thank you thank you so much uh, and so it just it reminded me that we we don't want to dehumanize mm. even I- illegal aliens at all people no. who are migrants we don't want to dehumanize them the fact that they are uh, taking advantage of a bad policy mostly is not um, their fault no. and the ones that we want to be concerned about are those that are here to create problems and trouble mm. and i would say um that there are many that are here that are hoping to find a better life. I, I saw an interview um, where they one man had heard that the border was open as soon as Title 42 would be um, would be expired, and so he had come because that was the rumor. So we just don't know people's motives, and it's going to be a challenge once. 
the borders are closed and I'm praying to God that we get our borders closed so we can allow those that belong here in and keep those that do not belong here out so that everyone can benefit. Yeah. You said that, right, Chris, we, we really love people. Um, People are never our enemy, bad policies. It's really a shame that, you know, the various um, Republicans and Democrats can't come up with a plan um, that they don't politicize both sides. It's just, you know, why, why can't we say we love all people? Both sides do. No one's evil. And we want to see the best for for all of those people coming in. And we want to see them vetted correctly and brought in safely. And we want to keep you know, children from getting raped and, uh, you know, and trafficked and the drugs coming. We want we want to stop all of that and bring in good people who want to be part of this, you know, national experiment. So, um, you know, like, you know, we need to really just pray that God would uh, shift things and that uh, both sides will start to talk sanely instead of politicizing this issue. Yeah. So how would you, how would you say that the border issue was a win this week? Well, Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I I had seen, uh, you know, a victory as in some of these blue cities, uh, they're getting overwhelmed. And, and now, you know, you hear stories about veterans that are being taken out of homes that were being provided by the government at the time and, and replaced with, uh, you know, immigrants coming in. And that just wakes a lot of people up. It's like, okay, you are actually, you are actually kicking out a veteran, someone who risked their very life for this country. And you kick them out on the streets to put a foreigner in that shouldn't even be in here because they came in illegally, not according to the laws that we have established and so that says a lot. That speaks a lot. And, and in fact, that's a great talking point when you talk to someone and say, what do you think is fair? Do you think it's fair to kick out a, a veteran who's given service um, in order to make room for somebody that uh, is leaving their country? And for whatever reason, we don't even know. You can't even say it's asylum because they haven't even proved their case or, or anything. They're just coming in. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands. Uh, also, um, there is big pushback with um, – I think it was Chicago. Yeah, where, Chicago. Yeah, a lot of the local people there that are hurting financially. I'm going to say African, you know, African American community. They're saying, "Hey, what about us?" You know, and all of a sudden, they're not getting all the, you know, support that they are generally used to. And it's like, oh, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to share now, or you're going to have to not, you're going to have to do without because we've got bigger, you know, bigger things. I even heard a lady not a lady, but a, a, a couple that was getting married at a hotel and they canceled the wedding um, or they canceled all the rooms of the wedding uh, to make room for immigrants. And it's like these poor people had it, you know, planned out, I don't know, maybe months ago, six months ago. And all of a sudden you just turn it. So it's just crazy. So the, the good thing about all these horrible things are people are waking up. People can relate to these things like, hey, yeah. that's not fair. Well, in the, in the in Chicago, they actually had a press conference, and there was about forty uh, African American people there, just saying, "Listen, this is not okay." And this is Chicago; this is a deeply blue state. They're starting to speak out now that the people are actually flooding in. Five hundred immigrants are brought in. People are starting to speak out, and then you've get you know got Carrie Lake; she's uh, continuing to speak out. Um, in Maricopa County, the Board of Supervisors are sending. She, she's pointing out the Board of Supervisors in that county are sending almost two million dollars to house forty families of illegal immigrants. It's like one million eight hundred seventy-nine thousand six forty-six. That's four forty-seven thousand dollars of your tax money going for every family. Uh, and and, and the law-abiding Arizonans are there who need it who need the money and it's going to these other people instead. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, especially when you are taking money and you're flooding it, you're using it for these other things, tax money, tax dollars. I mean, that's actually what creates more inflation is when money is funneled into things that isn't, you know, and given away that shouldn't be given away, it creates inflation as well. So it's, it's a lose, lose, lose. And people are waking up to that. I mean, fighters like Carrie Lake and others, you know, and I think, you know, finally it comes down to people are acknowledging that, Oh, you mean the Title 42 policy that Trump put in place isn't a racist policy because they just extended it for another 10 days? Like, oh, you mean it actually is sanity? See, the problem is that it's a, this has been, a uh, like I said, a, 
a political football kick back and forth. Instead, it's like, uh, you know what? Why don't you just fix the problem, Biden? You've been in office for two years. You knew this was coming. Instead of making a way to vet people, they've just basically let them believe that they could just all come up and they actually created the problem. So people are starting to realize that there were lies said. And I, you know, some people are still going doing this, la, 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 la. And they're sticking their head in the sound and in the sand and saying, oh, yeah, Trump bad, Trump evil, red, you know, orange man bad. He's racist. But then they realize, oh, his policy actually was working. You know. Yeah. So I, I guess you could say that the good point then is that the pain level of some people in away from the border states where the uh, the migrants are being shipped to are experiencing the reality that there is a border problem. And we know that it isn't just Texas, Arizona, California, that uh, New Mexico, that our um, borders, that it's a border problem for. I know I saw Carrie Lake, she was on uh, Truth Social and on Twitter, and she wanted to comment about what Katie Hobbs was saying about the money that you talked about, Brandon, being sent down there and Katie Hobbs had packaged it as a compassion um, uh, a position that they were doing something very compassionate. And Carrie Lake said that, um, that facilitating the largest human and weapons and drug smug smuggling operation in our nation's history, that is not compassionate and it's not a humanitarian plan. It's an invasion. And also what you're talking about um, with the Chicago, um, when you're not an early adapter with knowing that we have been in a war for a while and that it's not just an information war, there's, there is an invasion that, that we have people in the White House that are not there legitimately and in other government positions when you know that and you've done your research and you've done deep dives and you've seen historic books about different plans and the 16 year plan and the um, 2030 plan, and you've already awakened, it's hard to wait for other people to wake up. And right. that's where we are. We're beginning to see those that may not be in our normal stream are waking up and that is good. That is really good. Yeah. I mean, even New York City, the mayor, Adams, uh, he said that the migration uh, crisis is destroying. He said Biden's migration policy is destroying New York City. You know, so it's like, wow. I mean, even as blue as you can be, and he's pointing the finger at Biden and that, that policy. So people are waking up. Yeah, he's in places. That. He sent a letter out, an email, and, and it was to um, private uh, homeowners, private property owners. And he said, we need your help. He said in the, the email, he said, New York City is experiencing an unprecedented humanitarian crisis. Mm. And we need areas to be available quickly in the city and immediately for those that are seeking asylum. So he marketed it to these private um, homeowners as though they're going to let people in their homes or rent a room or something to people they don't know. Yeah. Well, it couldn't happen to a nicer city. <laughs> That's all I could say. <laughs> Speaking of nice, it was awfully nice that CNN decided to have Donald J. Trump on their town hall. Yeah. Um, that was uh, quite a surprise uh, for a lot of people. And I, I remember Donald Trump, you know, kind of advertising for it, saying, hey, this could be an amazing thing or it could just be terrible for everybody, myself included. He says, but I'm going to be on and, and you ought to watch. And boy, did they. I think CNN had 3.1 million viewers alive on their on their TV. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in February, it was down to their prime time uh, schedule was down to one hundred and thirty thousand. Wow. That's, not, that's like. That's like a, a, a city and, you know, a good sized city, maybe. Well, that's I mean, their business. Right. So they're going to they're going to decide, you know what, um, we're losing followers because no one believes us anymore. So maybe if we talk about Trump more, which is what kept our ratings high for a long time is to bash Trump. Let's bring him on and bash him. And maybe we'll, and a good bashing will be able to raise our our, ra our ratings, which, of course, they did. But the problem is, is that he just destroyed the the CNN um 
interviewer who, you know, who wasn't an interviewer. She was clearly, um, <laughs> she's clearly bought and paid and a super anti-Trump orange man, bad, everything you could think of. She did. She, and she was, there was, there was one point where Trump was not happy with her. I, I want to watch that clip. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's go through a few clips while we have some time, you know, okay. right out of the gate. I mean, at a min under two minutes, and uh, Caitlin's already, you know, cutting off uh, Trump. And so let me just play a little bit. Caitlin Collins, yes. Caitlin Collins is talking about the stolen election. Or, She's or famous Trump is already. Here. Let me. Uh, Shortly, but your poll show that you are dominating the Republican race right now, but you are also under active federal investigation for trying to overturn the 2020 election results. Uh, your first uh, term ended with a deadly riot at the Capitol, and you still have not publicly acknowledged the 2020 election results. Why should Americans put you back in the White House? Because uh, we did. So you notice that she says that you haven't publicly acknowledged as if it were a fact right. um, that it was stolen. And, and so she's it already positioning born. herself, right. which I find very, very interesting how you could see this uh, CIA train training, you know, in effect. And so mm -hmm. I uh, I saw that right out of the gate and I'm like, OK, I could see that she's already positioning herself. Let's go with another one. Uh, this one is um, she talks about uh, failed Biden, um, you know, his policies. And, and it just talks about the debunking of the election fraud again. Um, you know, it's just hammering him. Elections, we have elections that were horrible. If you look at what happened in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, if you look at what happened in Detroit, Michigan, if you look at what happened in Atlanta, Millions of votes, and all you have to do is take a look at government cameras. You'll see them. People going to 28 different voting booths to vote, to put in seven ballots apiece. So I mean, Mr. President, and they're all I on have camera. to stop you there because, because there is no evidence of that. Your own election officials testified to that and have said that Republicans in these states did this. In Georgia, there were multiple recounts, including a hand recount. We have questions about the claims that you're making tonight from voters. So obviously they're jockeying Shut back and off. forth says it's untrue and then and then tries to change the subject. Yes, yeah, she doesn't want to debate, she just wants to put in her points and she talks about a hand recount and the recounts uh you know and she she brings it up multiple times and it's like well what is a recount? If you know what a recount is, it's basically counting the all the ballots whether they're valid or not again. All over again, You right. should get basically the same number, Maybe. right? Yeah. So if you snuck in 2000 ballots, you know, because you stuffed a bunch of boxes and stuff like that, well you should be able to if you do a recount, you should be able to have the same number because you're right. recounting the fraudulent votes again. Right. And, this and is they, not an investigation like uh, was done in Arizona. This is well, a recount. Is, the interesting thing is that that there he's right. There were government stationed video cameras that have data. I've seen the videos of people going in the same person to different boxes and putting in 10 and 20 ballots and and 10 different boxes in one time in, in the middle of the night or multiple times. It, it, it's, it's irrefutable evidence. So to say that's not, there's no evidence is this complete lie. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, Trump, um, he did what he does so well. He came out, he addressed the audience. It was in New Hampshire, a little um, college there, a private college, St. Anselm College. And uh, the, the audience was handpicked by CNN. And although they said there were, um, it was mainly Republican, it was, you know, that if they had the ability to handpick that they would have, um, pick someone that would make their narrative look really good. And they came out beforehand uh, is what I had heard. And they said, uh, we don't want you to boo anyone. We want this to be, ex um, to be respectful, but if you want to applaud, you can applaud. And I don't think they were thinking that they were going to applaud Trump, but the first thing he did is he came out and he said, I really like you guys. We love New Hampshire. And uh, every time we get here, we get a warm welcome. And he didn't even talk to Caitlin at first. He was just talking to the audience. And they just, you could tell they just really enjoyed him. They applauded. They were happy. It was upbeat. Uh, so it was it was really quite a fun, for me, it was fun to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's the first half hour is basically her 
arguing with him. It wasn't even a town hall. You know, no one had gotten their questions asked or answered uh, yet. Um, you know, and so it's, so the first one is the fraud in the election. She's saying, you know, there's no there's no proof. And then they went to the January 6th. That's another one that, you know, they're, they're pushing that it was a violent takeover. And so let's just hear what she says here. You can go sentence after sentence after sentence of things I said and things I put out. Uh, one of the big problems was that Nancy Pelosi, Crazy Nancy, as I affectionately call her, <laughs> Crazy Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of Washington were in charge, as you know, of security. And they They're did not, not in do their the job. National Guard. You're They're, in charge of the National they are Guard. In, well, I offered them National Guard. I said, we'll give you soldiers, we'll give you National Guard, we'll give you whatever you want. And they turned me down. You're and in fact, she turned Secretary. me down. She excuse me, she turned me down in writing. They turned me down. But your acting defense secretary, Chris Miller, at the time, he says you never gave a formal order to, to deploy the National Guard. But when it came to that day. Just the opposite. He Chris Miller wrote a. So she's challenging him there. She actually was absolutely 100% wrong when wow. she said that. So he did. Uh, he did offer it, and it was an official offer. Uh, Cash Patel talks about it. He he uh, he tweets that out, and he says, "I was there." And so she is going off a of bad info right there. Well, which, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. not only going bad info, but he said, "I have a letter in writing them denying my offer." So why would how can it be law, a lie if they wrote a letter to him denying? He has the receipts. That's one of the things I liked about this, um, de, you know, this debate is he actually pulled out some receipts at one point. And, uh, yeah, so, right. It was like, oh, I just happened to have the paperwork here. It was yeah, and the uh, the uh, the crowd really liked that. Uh, they they really responded. So more on the National Guard. Let me just play another clip here. Well, Chris Miller was your acting defense secretary. He says you never gave that order. But back to what happened on that day. He you said did you not weren't, say that. You, he has testified that. Mr. He did President. not say that. But you said you weren't very involved that day. You did tell your supporters to come to Washington. You tweeted about it, about sure, that speech that happened on the rally. Am I allowed so when to they, say that? When they went to the Capitol and they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers, why did you? Why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't See, so you notice how she sets that up. She says things officers. like all, yeah, they were, they're hurting all these officers. They're breaking windows. Yes, there were some windows broken, but the way she frames it, but he, yeah, he, he pulls this thing out. This is great. Believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out. I have to pull it out. <laughs> totally blows her away with this. So, so if you look at, on January 5th, the day before, I said, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Stay peaceful. This was the day before, and this was in the form of Twitter. Now use truth, truth social. I think it's far superior, okay? I hope everybody's on truth. I hope everybody's on truth. Uh, if you look, January 6th, this is at two, before 2.30, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. This is right after, as it was happening. But what happened is they took it down. I don't know why. I think they took it down because it was so good. They didn't like it being up there. <laughs> I am asking, this is, and we didn't know until I got it back because now I have 90 million people waiting for me to go back, but I'm on truth and I'm staying on truth. Listen, I am asking for everyone at the US Capitol to remain peaceful. No violation. It's, we want no violation. We want no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. That was at 2.30. That was very early. And so she haggles him. She keeps on haggling him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that I learned something from this. I did not know that he had said that. And, um, you know, the day before, basically, he just destroys their argument. Um, the argument that they, they're trying to paint this picture that he was, you know, inciting violence. And he clearly was not. Yeah, and so I got the, I, I I got the it, tweets right here that what I said the day before, what I said right after it, and then they took it down, so no one heard it because, and then you guys were not honest about it. And I said they took it down, and you guys still purported that I was inciting a riot because they, everybody was making up a narrative. They uh, journalism, unfortunately, according to CNN, journalism is dead because they are no longer journalists. They are just parroting a narrative that they've been told by the government officials and by the three-letter agencies, and it's just, it's pretty sick. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
yeah, I think that Caitlin, um, she, you know, she's very savvy at this. She used to be the chief uh, White House correspondent, and she's been on CNN as a primetime commentator for a long time. She actually is up right now for a possible anchor spot at CNN. And I think that that this was part of kind of her tryout or uh, I'm not quite sure what CNN was thinking, but she is very savvy, but I don't think she knew how to uh, negotiate why the audience, which I think they assumed that he would be, they would be hostile to Trump, but instead they were loudly and they were enthusiastically applauding him. And they, they were very much leaning in and um, seemed to be, supporting him i don't think she knew what to do with that well when the truth is on your side and you've been told lies for so long and you finally get a platform to actually let the guy speak and tell the truth and then you obviously keep shutting him down interrupting him you know it's just it's playing out right there in front of the people and it's just an example that that's how most people who who have experienced CNN feel about CNN as that they are just a big lie machine and they do not actually report the truth or let the guy just explain what was happening. Yeah, definitely. And, and you see it, she's losing it. Uh, she goes uh, on about uh, Mike Pence here. About the fact that he oh, killed he her. But bragging. one person who was at the he Capitol that day, as you know, was your vice president, Mike Pence, who says that you endangered his life on that day. I don't do think he feel, was in any danger. Mr. President, do you feel that you owe him an apology? No, because he did something wrong. He should have put the votes back to the state legislatures, and I think we would have had a different outcome. I really do. And so she haggles him there, but you see the uh, how she sets it up and says, do you, do you feel you owe him an apology? You know, as if he, he was found guilty of endangering Mike Pence's life. Right. And, and the thing I, I, I was really impressed about Donald Trump was, you know, that would have been an easy time to just really talk smack about um, Pence. But publicly, he was very kind about him. Yeah. And, and you don't see that he's, he does not sling a lot of, um, I don't know, he's just he's just careful with his words. He doesn't or call people names very often unless they are definitely on, you know, the deep state, crazy Nancy, you know, crooked Hillary. But you know, just like Jesus, right? Jesus had certain people, the scribes and the Pharisees, man, they were snakes and vipers. But, you know, other ones that uh, maybe were just sinners or whatever, you know, Jesus was very compassionate. So I, I see a compassionate compassion in Trump, just the way he, you know, uh, approaches Mike Pence. You know, there are a lot oh, of yeah. people have Mike. a hard time with Pence. And you see that he still is very loyal as far as outwardly not saying anything bad. You know, yeah, he just says things like, yeah, I, I really like Pence. He's a, he's a really good guy. He still says things like that about him, even after this. But then he says no because he did something wrong. He should have put it back to the the states, and he didn't do. You know, he he not He's not attacking Pence. He's saying what Pence did was wrong. Pence right. made a mistake. Pence did acted wrongly, and they so he's addressing the behavior, not attacking the person. And you know, and of course, then if you get person who's constantly behaving wrong, like crazy Nancy, then he gets a joke and joking and says who i affectionately call crazy nancy you know and the everybody, crowd just loved everybody it, knows it up. she's crazy yeah yeah definitely and and so uh one of the questions in the crowd right after that was um uh, about the the j6ers you know uh, do you plan on pardoning them and i thought he had a great great response he said you know most of them the majority for sure uh, but I can't say everybody because maybe there were some that were out of line. So, I mean, that's a balanced um, answer. I think it's a good answer. And the crowd really responded to it. They really, uh, the majority of them were clapping and, and quite happy to hear that. Yeah. And I think that was to CNN's horror. They were like, oh, I can't believe the people in the crowd would support such a thing. These people overthrew the government or tried to. You know, and he went right into Antifa and BLM and started making oh, that comparisons. So Such good. a smart, strategic move. He is so sharp. He instantly went to that because people remember seeing that news, you know, mostly peaceful as there's flames in the background and people are getting killed. And and um, and you mm -hmm. see the two tier justice system. So he he did not waste a, a single word uh, that night. It, everyone was strategic. Did they shut it down early? Like it was supposed to go for another almost half twenty an minutes hour. early. Right, twenty <laughs> minutes more. I mean, all, all I can think of is that when you know you're losing, you shut it down early. Kind of what happened when Elon Musk was being interviewed by the British um, 
television guy. He's like, oh, well, that's all our questions we have. And he's like, well, I'll just stay on. And Elon Musk kept answering questions from people for like another 20, 30 minutes because the, the British you know, interviewer was like obviously biased and he got destroyed and he's looking horrible. So they, they probably shut it down. They probably in her earpiece are going, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> abort, abort, abort. Get this yeah. thing done. We're, we're losing it. Yeah, Steve Bannon called the cutting short of it uh, the mercy rule invoked by CNN. Like they were just put him out of his misery. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, Caitlin came, she came loaded for bear and she had um, a lot of things I think that she wanted to communicate. She uh, originally said that there were no questions that would be off the table because. Um, they'd agreed on no conditions to this interview in town town hall. And uh, she said that they really just wanted the voters to get the answers that they deserved. And I, I think that regardless of Collins's um, pushing her agenda, they actually were able to see because uh, Trump is such a good negotiator. He, he knew when to, to use his voice inflections he knew how to cut in. He, he knew he, he has his big hands and, you know, he goes, wait, wait. And, and so she seemed to uh, really have met her match. And I just, I was so proud of our president. Yeah, me too. I, I, I think uh, one of the highlights was uh, this, this thing about the E. Jean Carroll case uh, right here. Let's <laughs> watch this one. I was just, I was busting up. Awesome. This is something you want to weigh in on as well. Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. And they went up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm, I'm the only person in history who had a charge like that. And the, usually you, you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up and they went up with the other fake charge too. Because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, very nice man. She called him an ape, happens to be African-American, called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow it to put that in. All of these things. He would, but with her, they could put in anything. Access this Hollywood. This was a jury put in of anything. nine people who found right. you liable of sexual abuse. Do you think that, that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so, because I think the whole thing, just so you understand, ready? I it up. never met this woman. I never saw this woman. This woman said, I met her at the front door of Bergdorf Goodwin, which I rarely go into other than for a couple of charities. I met her in the front door. She was about 60 years old. And this is like 22, 23 years ago. I met her in the front door of Bergdorf Goodman. I was immediately attracted to her. And she was immediately attracted to me. And we had this great chemistry. We're walking into a crowded department, so... We had this great chemistry, and a few minutes later, we end up in a, a room, a dressing room, a Bergdorf Goodman, right near the cash register. And then she found out there are locks on the door. So she said, I found one that was open. She found one. She learned this at trial. She found one that was open. What kind of a woman meets somebody and brings them up, and within minutes, you're playing hanky-panky in a dressing room, okay? <laughs> I don't know if he was, he was married then or not. John Johnson, I feel sorry for you, John Johnson. Mr. President, can I, can no, but I think, this? think of it. Think of uh, I know you're recounting what she said, but Mr. But, President. But let, let me just, if I could, because you asked the question. This was a Just jury, so you understand, though. if I was walking in at the park, because I was very famous then, and I owned the Plaza Hotel right next door, and I owned buildings around it, I'm not going into a dressing room of a crowded department store. Then I say, if she was being raped, and by the way, they said she wasn't raped. Okay, that was her charge. It wasn't. They found they that you did, sexually they found, abused her. No, no, what? Say what? They, they did. They said he didn't rape her, and they did I didn't do anything didn't. else either. You know what? Because I have no idea who the hell she is. But Mr. President, I don't know can, who I, this woman can I ask you, given your recounting? So yeah, you could see. I mean, great storytelling. I mean, just you know, it was captivating. It was funny. 
um, you could see that people were enjoying it and actually laughing He because they know it's just fake. And he tied it to fake things, just like the other fake story. You know, I mean, he, every word he used was really strategic. Did you um, did you see that after the CNN? Uh, so if you go on like Twitter or, and, and they recount um, like from CNN's Twitter accounts or from CNN's page goes, oh, it, don't go watch the CNN thing. He just recounted a bunch of lies he's been saying from the very beginning. That's all. It was like. It, it, it literally made it sound like you shouldn't even go watch our CNN sound hall, Paul, because it was they, they got such a pounding. CNN's own advertising doesn't want you to watch it. And it was trying to like just dismiss it as no big deal. So people wouldn't go actually because it was so compelling. It was so compelling for Trump, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Babylon B, they're the kind of tongue in cheek um, that they say everything in uh, in in. Uh, fun. And he said, uh, the author said, CNN host sues Trump for assault and defamation after the town hall. Oh, so, uh, it was a, a spoof, obviously, uh, on a headline. And, you know, even as we um, have recounted this story, the, the idea of sexual assault, the idea of rape is obviously something that is horrible. Atrocious. But I, what what Trump was showing was, first of all, that the ability for someone with such a distorted, if you go on her, her um, Twitter page, she has posted some very perverted and uh, loose stuff. I mean, she, she talked in an interview on CNN how um, that, that rape was something that you should enjoy. It was, I mean, it was creepy. Her, wow. her, you and yeah it's very uh, uh anderson was very uncomfortable with that but interview i think what trump was he was trying to show how ludicrous this story was the facts were wrong she didn't even remember what year it was and uh, you know i have i've known many people who've been um assaulted sexually or who have gone through rape and it is a it's a horrible thing to go to trial mm. but um but they remember everything the yeah. details and uh and they a lot of them don't press charges because it is such a horrible thing right and so uh, even as we we bring this to light i think what trump was he was trying to show this is so ludicrous how could how could she even come up with this story right oh yeah the lady's a nut job and, oh, and the boy. reason why i say that is there there's something that's actually come out just recently within uh, you know this last week in her Twitter. So if this event truly happened, well, it's just recently in Twitter, recently meaning when he was doing The Apprentice, she said, I am a major, all in caps, a major fan of The Apprentice. I love that show. Now, if this was your a person that assaulted you or raped you or anything, would that really be your favorite show since wow. it's his show and he's the center figure of the show? And she said she was a major fan of it. It just makes absolutely no sense. Why would you do that, right? And she was bizarre in that uh, that interview with Anderson Cooper. She said that um, she thought rape was sexy and uh, fantasize about it. And yeah. he he uh, instantly said, hey, "We need to cut to a you know to a break, commercial uh, break. Yeah, commercial break. Uh, and, and then after the mood was changed after that, but." Very interesting how, um, you know, how that, yeah. So, well, and then some of the facts of the actual case now. So, it came, it came out that a dem, a dem, you know, Democrat uh, contributor gave five million dollars to make this case go forward. They, she ended up winning five million dollars, but there was that there was money behind the case from yeah, Democrat CEO or the founder of uh, LinkedIn, right? And then you've got. They change the law for the statutes of limitations so that they can just try Trump like the yeah, law for one so year, change the law funded by Dems. Got a crazy person who who's who's fantasizing about rape and then says that she loves Trump and watches his show. And then, oh, by the way, he raped her and it doesn't make any sense. And and then nine people who no one's ever no No one even knows in a city like of mostly Democrats voted that he was liable he didn't rape her but he was liable for some sort of something he did must have done something and so they're going to give him five million dollars it just doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah i, I think know. 
I think that the, the strange thing was that the reason they awarded it was because of the way that he came back at her to say um, that he didn't even know her. And they, they saw that as being the abusive behavior, the denial of the accusations, and then the questioning of her character and the bringing to light of things that were true. Uh, my understanding, that was part of the, the liable for abuse. Wow. Um, it wasn't sexual abuse. It was, yeah. uh, it was abuse. It was and, defamation. And um, it was a civil case. So it was just a very strange, um, it was a strange case. And obviously Trump has appealed it. Right. And he'll be able to now insert his stuff. See, he was very limited. He had gag orders, all kinds of crazy things against him. Very unfair. So uh, in the appeal, that should all be reversed just because it, it'll be a more fair uh, trial. And so, so moving on from there, um, you know, one of the questions was, you know, how's he going to uh, lower inflation? I thought that was a good, good softball question. Someone gave, you know, saying, Hey, we're paying so much for our food. And he said, drill, baby drill. So it was very <laughs> clear, you know, he had a, a plan. He said, and, and it was like a, a, a lesson in economics and stuff. You know, he was just basically yeah. saying, Hey, look, everything's tied to gas and, and shipping things. And so it's going to affect your food and your, you know, the, the wood yeah. that you do for building a house or whatever. And so he, he very clear on that. Then another question was the second amendment. Someone said, are you going to protect the second amendment? And I found it very interesting that uh, Caitlin talks about, oh, you know, this year we've had over 200 mass shootings. Um, actually, that is not true. They changed what they consider a mass shooting. Before it used to be, I think, four or more uh, deaths. Now it's like uh, injury is included now. So, mm -hmm. of course, you're going to get a different, you know, you're going to get an increase. Uh, so if mm -hmm. just by changing the rules on how to determine what a mass shooting is. So I thought that was interesting. That was pointed out in another uh, podcast show. Uh, they went into that deeper. Uh, but mm -hmm. his his response was great. Arm the teachers. You know, that's the first thing he would do is he would. T uh, so it's it's a completely different, um, not a politician's um, solution. It's, it's definitely uh, a Trump solution there. So I thought that was great. It was out of the box. You have any comments on that? Well, I. I go up to one of the last uh, ones all. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, these are very common sense issues. I mean, they want to create, especially the Second Amendment, they want to create elaborate plans to just take everybody's guns and stop people from having rifles and stop pe people from having pistols. And it's like, how are you going to do that? You can't do that now. How would you do that then? Stop people, stop criminals from getting weapons. I mean, there's millions of guns that have come up from Mexico. There's certain states that have no laws on no, no guns entering the state. So that all the people that live in the state who are law-abiding citizens don't have guns. But then all these criminals still getting guns from other states and other places. It, it just makes no sense. So you would have to basically eliminate guns from existing to stop shootings, mm -hmm. right? And you can't do that. So let's figure out. Let's let's do something like taking the millions of dollars we sent to Ukraine, or that we're paying for these immigrants, and let's actually pay to arm the these teachers at the schools, which is not very expensive, by the way, for them to be armed, you know, trained well. It's you you can get trained to use a firearm well in a couple of months, and you know, it's you have any teacher who wants to. We'll, we'll help. We'll pay for your weapon. We'll pay for your training. We'll pay for your ammo. You know, all of those things are just totally reasonable. And then you don't know who which teacher has. I mean, I've, I've taught classes before. You know, you, you wouldn't even know which teacher has a gun and you wouldn't even be able to ask them. And you'd just be like, you know what? There's like 30 percent of the teachers on this campus carry a firearm. So you're not going to go into that campus. You'll go to some other campus, you know. Right? Yeah, and you know what they've taught that right now in the state of California, they have trained the teachers to give Narcan, which is a opiate reversal for the because of the fentanyl crisis and that's considered it was considered an advanced life support type of um administration it's a it's a a drug administration and and they have trained them in in the administration of that if they come across a student so wouldn't you think uh if they could do that they could uh they would be able to have a concealed weapon yeah, you would think. So I thought it was a smart answer, a good answer. Um, you know, here's one on uh, the pro-life. 
And I thought it was, again, brilliant. And this one I am playing for all those out there that claim to be Christians yet are afraid to speak up for life, are uh, trying to be neutral, quiet about the abortion issue. Um, you know, this is for you here. This is what this is what it looks like to stand up for what's right and to stand up for the, the defenseless. Such a great question. And it was such a great victory. And. Uh, people are starting to understand it now. Uh, you know that they wanted to bring it back to the States, but that was probably the it's least Roe important part of that victory. Getting rid of uh, Roe v. Wade was an incredible thing for pro-life because it gave pro-life something to negotiate with. Pro-life had absolutely nothing being stuck in Roe v. Wade to negotiate with. And now what's happening, and I see it all over, uh, deals are being made, deals are going to be made. And it, it, look, Everybody that was president wanted to get rid and tried to get rid of Roe v. Wade. You mean for 50 years, Republicans. For 50 years, this has been going on. Actually, a couple of Democrats, too. But for 50 years, this has been going on. I was able to do it, and I was very honored to do it. But by doing it, things are happening that are very, very positive. And you have to, I happen to believe in the exceptions, the life of the mother, rape, Incest, like Ronald Reagan believed in the exceptions, but I happen to believe that. I think it, I think it's frankly important to do that. But a lot of people are, uh, you know, against that. A, small, a relatively small, relatively small number. But the so way I, I the way I look, I think it's very important to say this. I consider the other side to be radical because the other side under Roe v. Wade and other things, the other side, they're radical because they will. Remember the debate with Hillary Clinton? I said, rip the baby out of the womb at the end of the ninth month. They will kill the baby in the ninth month. If you look at that crazy governor of Virginia from the former governor, where he said, no, the baby will be born, and then we'll decide essentially whether or not to execute but the Mr. baby. But Mr. President, can we talk about what you would do if no, you but are, these are the radical are people. She's very uncomfortable there. Yeah, yeah. as she should be. As she should be. And I know that um, one of the things that Anderson Cooper said was uh, he actually came on uh, the air and said uh, to his listeners, you said, he said to the CNN listeners, you have every right to be outraged and angry and never watch this network again. Do you, do you, do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away. And that was his defense of why he thought CNN, um, that it was a debacle. And uh, another reporter from CNN said, I've never been more ashamed of our network. I don't even think anybody came out looking good. This is an entirely a corporate and management failure. And uh, but what happened was, you know, the, the, the ratings went up um, to two point, I think it was actually 2.3 3.1. Thank you. And, but two days later, right back down to 357 viewers, it, uh, 335,000 viewers. It was less than Newsmax two days later. Yeah. I think that's just evidence that the American people are hungry for truth. And ultimately, they'll kind of be like, all right, yeah, maybe they may hold a fib or maybe they're not. But after a while, I think the majority of American people are smart. This, this news group, you know, agency, this, this, this company that's making money off of my, at my attention, it's not really telling me the truth. They're not literally giving me both sides of the story. And as evidenced by what Cooper said and others, that we didn't come out looking good. Well, that's not the point of journalism. The point of journalism is to come to the truth, and there, yeah. it, and that's the that, that's the problem with journalism now today. It's like you used to have people that would come on and they would say, "Listen, I'm not here to make you like me. I'm here to find out what the truth is, and I'm not here, to, you know, and not here to spin things. I'm here to find out what the truth is. I'm I'm willing to look at both sides and get to the truth. That's the job of journalism: is get to the truth, not make yourself look good or make you know have great great ratings." Yeah. And, you know, there comes a point where the tipping point has happened to where they think they're talking to people that agree with them and they actually are starting to look more and more ridiculous. I mean, when he says that in, in Cooper's mind, he's thinking, hey, I know we're all on the same page and this was very offensive. But really what the majority of people that saw that he was saying, this is a debacle. I can't believe another opinion came that that we don't agree with and we're it's horrible we can't handle it 
Well, and I understand if you never want to see it again, you know, us again. And that's how people saw it is you guys just blew yourselves up because you guys um, let truth come on. Yeah. But it's in his mind, he's thinking he's talking to the choir and they're all, you know, and they look like fools. And well, that's what happens when you live in a silo for so long. You, you actually believe the delusion yeah. that, that the American people voted 81 million people for Barack Obama or for, to, for Biden and, and more than Barack Obama. You actually start to believe your own lies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's amazing. Anyway, hey, there was a whole nother half. We won't, you know, because we've spent a lot of time on it, but th yeah. there was a whole nother half. Did you do the clip of Elisa of her, him saying to her, you're, you're kind of a nasty person. Yeah, I was going to look. I just ran out of time. There, there's uh, one, one minute where she keeps cutting him off. Like she's cut him off like 40 times. Yeah. And he just goes, can yeah. I talk? Can I talk? And he's like, so I'm asking you the question. And he's like, man, you're, you're a nasty person. And, yeah. and the crowd just erupts. And it was like awesome. Yeah. It was. You know, you know what I noticed? There was something about her white outfit that reminded me of that day of the State of the Union address. Where, where Nancy Pelosi and the whole Democratic, the women, the witchy witches in the, and many of them are actual practicing witches that were in Congress were all wearing these white outfits. And the day that she tore up the State of the Union address so disrespectfully behind Trump after he gave a brilliant, beautiful speech. But that outfit, I thought it, it went... It reminded me, oh, yeah, she's one of them. Wow. That's a good insight. I that didn't is think about so that. good. I did not think until you just said that. I went, oh, the lights came on. That's yeah. so true. That would be so much of a CIA operation as well. Mm -hmm. That type of training is like what you wear. I mean, down to the jewelry. You know, they used to look at the jewelry that Nancy would wear on certain days when she said certain things. The same thing with this. Yeah, I, I didn't even see it. That was a good, uh, a good catch there. Uh, Chris, you know, and definitely she's she's pushing her agenda, you know, and they just measured. Uh, yeah, it, it got to the point where it wasn't just her cutting them off, but she had to have the last word. Then he would say something and then she would say it. Again. No, I know. No, no. You know, and she would just have to have the last word. And that's where he just finally said, you're a very nasty person. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was neat yeah. to see the crowd back him up. Yeah. And, and and applaud because that just shows the humiliation that CNN went through because if nobody applauded, they would say, oh, Trump's off on this. But since he had the backing of the majority of the crowd, it sounded like um, that shows that, yes, you know, and they, they talked about it after they had an afterglow party or whatever you want to call it, where they uh, they were just letting off steam. And, and you had one Republican. Uh, what was his name? Byron Donald. That guy was amazing. I was uh, just really impressed uh, with him. Uh, one, I was surprised they even picked him because he was such a strong person standing up and, and, and an African-American, which is against their their uh, narrative that, you know, hey, you know, if you ain't black, you, you know, if you're not voting for Biden. And so it was really neat that they had him. And he just really held his ground it made them look like fools in my opinion i know I, there's probably a, a confirmation biased uh when i listened to that conversation but he just seemed like he had the facts and they just had accusations you know yeah. you know it's interesting this week i, I re-watched a video that all of us have watched and i want to encourage other people to check out um a woman named tori says she does a um a video on talking about at the the government infiltration of the media and she she was says she, she actually is was a CIA operative who was helping overthrow governments in foreign countries, and that the the they're utilizing the same tactics on American people that they used on other countries, and basically she goes through all the the story of all of the things that we're seeing that don't make any sense, and even goes even back to the election of 2016. And what reminded me uh, that watching this debate or you know this town hall was the election of 2016 where all the celebrities and everybody you know who was supposed to be a celebrity said there's no stinking way any way that trump will win he will never be president I, uh, they were all con so convinced all the polls said you know that clinton was way up ahead and then all of a sudden boom she loses and they never thought she would lose and they all went oh my gosh like and it was the 
they literally had created a narrative that deceived themselves to thinking that Hillary was going to win. And then they were so surprised that none of the people in America were really following them and they've lost control. And that's actually what's happened. With, and I, I, I just love, would love it if they just keep doing t- town halls and let the people talk. Let, get Biden up there. Let the people t- listen, ask him questions. They won't, they won't do it. They won't yeah. even do it. They won't even let like RFK debate him. They won't let the, the people we're supposed to said to have been voted for get up and let us ask him questions. Where guys like Elon Musk, he's going on for another 30 minutes letting just random sl- strangers on, on a space on Twitter ask him questions. Yeah. I'm like – that's yeah. how America should be. Yeah, well, RFK is only one point behind Biden already, and he just announced, you know, and so and he doesn't have the support of the DNC, and yet he's at thirty-five percent, and Biden's at thirty-six. You know, that's going to change pretty quick. I mean, RFK is so good that there's a chance I'd vote for RFK. Like he's literally that good, except for his stuff on climate, you know, and and, and maybe maybe some he's of the social. Pro-life. He has a. He doesn't have a. a... A very robust pro-life. He doesn't have pro-life. Yeah. Well, those, those are reasons I wouldn't vote for him, but I'm just saying he's that good. And so why wouldn't they let him debate the, the yeah. other DNC, you know? Yeah. And so even as we're talking about this and beginning to wind down, uh, we encourage our listeners to do some of their own research. So what you saw with Caitlin Collins was actually um, – the product of the CIA, the product of the MK Ultra, and the gaslighting and the the um, the uh, Project Mockingbird of a a pre-planned uh, insertion of military and government officials into the media. Because if you can control the 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 very small amount of information, you can control people and you can create narratives. And they you say it enough times and you limit the realities of what is going on in other places, then you you can um you can have people believing that you're being told what is true. And she was a an excellent example of it. And I um I just want to continue to encourage our listeners, do your own research, look into Tavistock Institute, look into the Aspen Institute, look into um, the committee of 300. This is all part of the 16 year plan. It's all part of the 2030 plan. What we are experiencing has been put out in a planning stage for a long time. And so when you see someone like Caitlin Collins, you go, Oh, she's not your everyday reporter. Yeah, that's right. You know, there was some other really good news that came out. Something that we have been waiting on for years, actually, especially if you were in the Q community, and that was John Durham's uh, report. And uh, you know, we it just came out hours ago, so we don't have the details. We'll we'll definitely go with that next week. But there was an overall. Uh, just kind of an overall finding with it. You know, Cash Patel, who represents the president in a lot of areas, um, you know, he's an attorney. He was, uh, what, uh, district attorney as well? Um, anyway, he he says that the John Durham report, uh, the verdicts were that Donald J. Trump was innocent. The FBI was found guilty. DOJ, guilty. The IC, Comey was guilty. McCabe, Strzok, Lisa Page, you've heard these. The FISA judges were guilty. Rosenstein was guilty. Christopher Ray was guilty. Was wondering if he was a white hat or not. You know, uh, Gina Haspel guilty. Sally Yates guilty. Lisa, I don't know this person actually, Monaco. But uh, anyway, uh, Michael Sussman, uh, Christopher Steele, Steele dossier, yeah. uh, Fusion GPS, Clinton guilty. Yeah. Very interesting there. And Bruce Nelly Orr, guilty. So I don't know. I just, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up next week. Um, but that's pretty powerful. And this yeah, comes right great. at the perfect time, right? It does. I mean, the FBI with the 51 informants, you know, they are not informants, but 51 uh, people signed a letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. They said that right before the debate. So, Basically, what it is, is is that Biden would have a talking point. So if Trump brings up a Hunter Biden laptop, he'd say, oh, and he did. He said, oh, the intelligence community, 51 you know, people said that it's just Russian disinformation. That was his 
point back because he didn't have an argument against it. And now it's been shown that that is not true. That yeah. is not true. And that affects and, and he brought that up too, uh, Donald, uh, President Trump in the uh, town hall. And of course, you know, Caitlin's just like, oh, I got to cut this off, you know. Yeah, and, and right uh, in the details of that 300-page Durham report, Jim Jordan released as chairman of the Judiciary, the House Judiciary Committee, and he's part of the weaponization, the Government Weaponization Committee. Uh, he said that he sent a, a letter and asked Durham to come and um, testify at a hearing a week from Thursday, May 25th, and the hearing will examine the report that he just put out. And the report's called uh, Matters Related to Intelligence Activities and Investigations Arising Out of the 2016 Presidential Campaigns. Wow. So he's going to be coming, hopefully, and giving a, a summary for 10 minutes and then uh, answering questions that are posed by the committee. So that should be exciting in our future. Yeah. Definitely. That's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we have a lot to uh, be thankful for. I think God is at work. Um, never doubted it, but it's nice to see it actually starting to happen, mm -hmm. um, you know, in a way that's favorable. It says, you know, do not grow weary in doing good. And that's, uh, you know, we've been hanging in there and uh, and now we're starting to see some of the fruit. Yep. So. And, 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 you know, one more thing, you know, they approved this committee proved that nine different Biden family members received money from China for doing nothing. And they, and the, the committee said, listen, tell us if these were business payments, that's fine. What was the business they did? And they're not. So nine Biden family members. It was interesting too, because they, the, the left already spun it. The, the, the committee came out with no criminal charges for Biden for, for collusion with money, you know, this whole money, like, no, not directly to him, but to all of these LLCs and to all of these people that back money back to his families. And we know the, the, the Hunter laptop said 10% for the big guy, which we know the big guy is Pete Pete, the, you know, Biden. So this is, this was a very elaborate scheme. This is very um, elaborate, um, what do you call it? Money, money laundering. laundering. Money laundering scheme. Money. It's classic money laundering. It's like two, three layers. It's like, why does it go to a LLC and then it goes to another LLC and then it goes to another LLC and then it goes to the person? And it's like, how did, you know, it's just classic. But you're either uh, trying to hide something where your money trail is or you're trying to keep it from your, your alimony from your ex-wife. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they show how this money went from China to these people, then it went to these people, and then it finally ended up in the hands of these people. And buy. And it's actually not just China. It's China, Romania, and Ukraine, of course. Of so course. It's interesting how it's the same players, you know, the same players. It's getting yep. there. Truth will be – truth will always be known. It will always win out. Light always outshines the darkness. It just sometimes takes time. You know, but there is a changing and, and, and we have no other choice, right? You, you could give up and go, woe is me. Or you could say, no, we just keep standing for what is right. We kept pushing and pushing because the truth will win. Yep. And so I'm excited. I'm yep. definitely encouraged by well, what's coming. And I want our leader, I want our listeners and, and others to start, you know, posting and sending our, uh, our, you know, go to our website and ask people to watch this show, ask people to watch other clips. I mean, one of the, some of the best things they could have people watch would be out of shadows, you know, it talks about, you know, the, the trafficking that's gone on or the, um, the actual, the Hollywood corruption, the, 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 if, and then there's this other one that I was, you know, that I'm posting right here. This one, a Tory says an ex CIA member explains about a hidden organization, not even hidden. Most people don't know about it called the CAA, which is the government funded government infiltrated CIA ran CAA. It's a creative artist um, Academy and they're actually handpicking people in, in, in the arts to go into the arts and to bring forth the government's message. And it's not even just the government. It's the secret service method message or the fourth unelected shadow body of our government, the shadow government, the cabal, the shadow government. Yeah. And we will have uh, links for all of these on our website, wake the bear radio.com. Yeah. So definitely. 
Uh, we'll definitely have that. So please uh, come to our, go to our website. Uh, we, we, we usually back up a lot of the things that we say with links so you can deep uh, do a deep dive and uh, look into it deeper. So anyway, it was a good week. Yes, I, uh, well, I think we're going to have a few more good weeks, yes. maybe good week after good week after good week. I'm looking forward to it. When you, when you know that who's in charge of the storm, you can enjoy the storm. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, this week was definitely a good one. So tell your friends this is going to be this is recorded. So uh, go to the website and there's links to uh, this again to see it at a replay. Again, thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Yeah, good night. God bless you.